Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power out of them and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and I'm so happy to have back with us uh, again in a repeat performance. We've got Dr. Noel Reynolds, uh, who was with us last week. I haven't had very many guests on two weeks in a row. I think Andrew Skinner is the only other one, so you're, you're in good company there. Uh, you both share a background in helping to uh, direct farms, and uh, we gave a, a great introduction, I think, of, of uh, Noel last week, so we'll refer our our uh, audience to listen to that if they want to learn more about him. And and this week, maybe we'll just uh, jump right in. Uh, let's do a little bit of business first. So we have a few things we want to make you aware of. We're just trying to get as much out there to help people with their study of the Book of Mormon as possible. So we've been posting some things on uh, Enlightened Edge EDU. So it's patreon.com slash Enlightened Edge EDU, uh, where I've got a video that I think I mentioned last time, a uh, pretty long masterclass on, uh, with pictures and so on about uh, Lehi and Nephi and what it's like in Jerusalem in their day and leaving Jerusalem. I also have an article posted there about the covenant. Uh, in uh, Jerusalem, or uh, the covenant that's uh, made with the House of Israel and comparing it to how that's reestablished uh, with the people as they, they leave uh, Jerusalem with Nephi and his people in the Book of Mormon. Uh, we've got a workshop that we did uh, and the Book of Mormon workshop uh, with um, where we went over Lehi's vision, and uh, we're making that available. If it's not up today, it will be in the next day or two. We're, we're trying to get that up as quickly as we can. Uh, so all sorts of resources available for you there. We're also asking you to give us some feedback and some insights and some meetings with some uh, folks uh, up uh, in the church uh, talking about what they'd like to have from uh, me as a podcaster. Uh, they suggested that they'd really love for us to provide a platform for you to share things you're learning, insights you're having. And uh, so we'd like for you to do that. And if, you know, if you can do that, maybe on Spotify, I think they have that platform. Certainly on YouTube, they have that platform. They don't on uh, Apple Podcast and some of the other podcasts. So if you would be willing to share your, your insights, and we hope you will, uh, you can do that. If, if you could get on the YouTube channel, even if you listen to it on uh, Apple or some other format, you could get on uh, The Scriptures Are Real on YouTube and leave comments for the particular episode. Or you could email us at the scriptures are real at gmail.com. That's the scriptures are real at gmail.com. And we'll put all these things in the, the uh, show notes, by the way. Or there is a feature where even if you don't uh, subscribe to that, uh, that page that we're creating with all the handouts and the articles and lectures, we've got mental health lectures, all sorts of great stuff on there, uh, interfaith lectures anyway. Um, and we're going to have more and more and more there. But even if you don't subscribe, you can leave some comments there. And we'd like you to do that. Uh, leave the insights as has been suggested. So you can go again to patreon.com. So that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash edu, And leave us some comments about your insights, things you've been gaining as you've read the scriptures or insights you gained as you listened, uh, insights you gained as you put the two together, because we're hoping that this is uh, getting you back into the scriptures. And then as you read after having listened, maybe you get an insight or you can ask questions in any of those uh, forums. And uh, hopefully we'll get around to being able to answer some questions as well. So please give us that feedback and please go see uh, this great material that we're making available for you. And we hope all of this enhances your scripture study and allows you to draw closer to Christ. Thank you. All right. Well, welcome. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Reynolds. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, so happy. And and I'm excited to get into uh, First Nephi again with you. Uh, and again, we're just going to do a deep dive on one particular part or aspect. There's so much in in this week's reading. In fact, just to illustrate that, um, I was doing a, a workshop on the Book of Mormon recently, and uh, we were just going to try and get through First Nephi 8 through 10 and explore uh, Lehi's vision in there. And I had an hour and a half set apart for it. And we got partway through chapter eight. And that's as far as we got in that hour and a half. So <laughs> there's, there's uh, too much to, to try and do everything. And so we're just choosing to do some deep dives on a couple of things. And so uh, Dr. Reynolds has done some, uh, some great work on some things in this reading. So we're just going to let you uh, start to take us through this, uh, whatever topics we'll talk about, we'll, we'll dive in there. Well, thank you. Um, 
I'm planning to focus on chapter 10, but uh, because uh, First Nephi uh, is uh, so highly structured by, ne by Nephi, uh, you really have to kind of have the whole thing in mind uh, to see what he's doing at any one point. Um, and some points that we reviewed last time that probably just need to be put on the table again is one, uh, we started by, by recognizing that uh, from what uh, Nephi tells us in the opening verses, we can be sure that he and his father uh, in Jerusalem were highly trained scribes uh, and that they were not of the Judahite uh, school. They were of a Manassite school and our Bible and history does not give us any information about Manassite tribal uh, Bible, uh, scribal schools, so yeah, just, or the or the record that that uh, they have that that Lehi ends up with, right? We just that there's exactly. completely silent on that in the in the Old and Testament. But I think you're right. There's no doubt these are very very literate individuals. So the so the evidence for the fact that they were scribes is the Book of Mormon itself, uh, and uh, what that Mormon's able to write that uh, later on. The second thing uh, is that the brass plates give wow. evidence that there is a written tradition that these Manassites have uh, that goes all the way back to Joseph and presumably even possibly to Abraham. So let's uh, just put that back on the table. Uh, chapter 10 um, is very it, it, it's I, I think it's a little hard to pick up on uh, Nephi uh, what he's doing uh, he's uh, because so many different things happen uh, in first Nephi but we have uh, the small plates first and second Nephi uh, etc because 30 years after, uh, Lehi took his family out of Jerusalem. The Lord gives a new commandment to Nephi, yeah. make another record. Well, he's been making a record in which he's uh, put everything, the history, the revelations, the everything they've done is in this record, which we call the large plates. And that record continues clear down to the time of Mormon. And Mormon abridges that record, and that's where we get... Uh, uh, his writings. But Nephi has been keeping that record and he's now instructed, make a new record in which you talk about the sacred things, the revelations that they received, the teachings that they uh, have been giving to their people. And so as Nephi thinks about this, uh, he's, he thinks a lot about it because uh, he comments when he gets to Second Nephi chapter 5 that it's taken him 10 years to get to that point. And so uh, he's, he really is pouring his heart and soul into this. And, and the scenes that there's, have uh, started to uh, uh, show up uh, and be recognized in recent years, uh, First Nephi is... Uh, has two parts. Nephi labels them. He calls the first part Lehi's account. He calls the second part Nephi's account, his own account, my own account. Uh, and the break is between chapters 9 and 10. Chapter uh, 10 starts Nephi's account. Uh, the, uh, but, the, but we have this great vision Mm -hmm. that Lehi receives, and then Nephi receives the same vision. And in Lehi's account, we get the first part of that vision, and that's the vision of the tree of life. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then in Nephi's account, he gives much of the rest of that vision. Uh, and so between the two, we, can, we get the whole vision, but... The other interesting thing about it is Nephi has written these as parallel to each other. So right. if you the, if you go through them, uh, I published this in 1980, actually, a little article called Nephi's Outline. 
that uh, showing how Lehi's account and Nephi's account are written so they're parallel to each other, and each is organized chiastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Nephi is really putting a lot of thought into how he does this. Then, uh, chapter 10, which starts Nephi's account, lets us know about a lot of other things that are not included in Lehi's account or Nephi's account. Yeah, it's kind of Nephi's summary uh, of things that Lehi saw that by this point he's seen also that he's just not going to spend a lot of time on. He's just given us a little hint there, here and there as he summarizes. Exactly. Uh, I actually uh, went through and listed these. There are 16 specific teachings that uh, 16 is a big number. Yeah, when, yeah it is. <laughs> uh, when you're talking about somebody presenting something to his family and teaching them, and it's mostly prophecies, uh, but 16 numbered things that then when we take those 16 things, uh, we see that in the rest of first Nephi and all of second Nephi, Nephi is going through and time and again giving us these 16 things. So uh, can I can I ask just yeah. for our audience's sake, uh, yeah. where would they find? Have you published that list of 16 things and where would they find that earlier, that oh, 1980 article? Yeah, that uh, I public I put all those together in the appendix of an article uh, that came out a year ago. I'm thinking if I can remember the name, uh, an interpreter. Okay, so in the uh, Interpreter Foundation, you can find that online, interpreter.org yeah, or something like that. I'm sure they can just search for your name. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it and put it in right. the show notes. Yeah, it'll, okay, because it's, uh, uh, I don't know why the name's not coming to me right now, but it's not. It happens to me all the time. I don't remember the name of the stuff I write either. <laughs> it changed the name anyway. But it's, uh, but I provide an appendix there where I actually, uh, show all the places where those 16 things show up again. Uh, and, and most of them show up seven, eight times. Wow. Uh, somewhere in Nephi's writing. So he, he just, the, so Nephi, okay, I've got uh, how, how about that 1980 article? Where would people find that? The, uh, the, that any of those can just be Googled with my name and the name of the article. So that one was uh, uh, Nephi's outline. Okay. Thank you. And and the one we're trying to get to, I finally have remembered, Lehi's vision, colon, or semicolon, Nephi's uh, blueprint. Oh, nice. Okay. I've seen so, that. Okay. Okay. So anyway, uh, so Nephi is organizing uh, all of his writings around this vision. This vision is central uh, to their story, to his teachings. Uh, you have to understand the vision of the tree of life, including the four chapters that Nephi adds of his own, uh, uh, the second part of the vision. Uh, all of that is essential to understanding first and second Nephi. Yeah, and, and in some ways, the whole Book of Mormon, uh, Dr. Dan Belknap has been arguing that uh, this becomes the Nephite narrative. This is what they will refer to again and again and again throughout the Book of Mormon, because this is their kind of birth narrative, the, the exodus to the promised land, but especially the vision. I think Dan uh, did a really good job of showing that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, so... Uh, what's in there? People have tended to read Nephi as being a little overly critical or judgmental about his brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives them a bad time. Uh, and there's a lot of the interpretations of uh, Nephi's writings harp on this issue yeah. and try and find explanations for it. And the usual explanation isn't very nice and in the way it understands Nephi's personality, uh, see him as judgmental, uh, uh, supercritical, self-righteous, these kinds of things. I think all of that just completely misses what Nephi is doing. Hmm. Uh, Nephi knows 
we don't know him and we don't know his brothers and we don't care much about how they got along. There's, there, there are 60 jillion families between yeah. then and now that we don't know about. Yeah. And uh, it just isn't uh, important to us. So what's really going on is Nephi is using his family story to teach us something we need to know. Yes. Uh, and when you, when you use a story uh, to convey a teaching, you often resort to uh, uh, different uh, literary uh, devices. And in this case, uh, it can be like a parable mm. or uh, it, uh, what's the word I'm struggling for right now? Uh, Nephi's writing a, uh, um, allegory or yeah, yeah. Allegory is the word I was fishing for. Uh, so Nephi is using his own family story as an allegory to convey a teaching. And chapter 10, which is right dead center in First Nephi, is where he spells out the teaching. Um, we could actually, uh, if, if it isn't too tedious, <laughs> on a blog, we could read those verses. Well, let's read them. Uh, so Nephi concludes, uh, and notice here he's been telling the story. He's been telling his father's vision, the details of it. So this is all scenes happening, and we and we're, and we're lured into thinking it's a history. But now Nephi tells us what he's teaching, and in starting in verse seventeen, uh, he says, uh, the uh, Holy first Nephi ten, right." First Nephi 10, 10, 17. Uh, starting in 17, uh, the, he tells us that the Holy Ghost is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men, for he is the same yesterday and today and forever. See what generalizations he's making here. These yeah. are universalized statements. These are not pieces of history. Uh, these are these are this is the lesson he's teaching us, right? And the way is prepared for all men to uh, from the foundation of the world, from the beginning, all men, if it so be that they repent and come unto Him. Well, what is that way? Oh, it's it's the gospel. The the re way is prepared for what? For he that diligently seeketh shall find. That's the lesson, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded to him by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in this time as in times of old, and as well as in times of old, as in times to come. So you future people that are reading this, this applies to you. Yeah. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal route. And so he's alluding to uh, uh, the plan of salvation in the background here, which provides the gospel uh, that will allow all men to be saved and just going on uh, it's uh and maybe i can just add to that yeah, if it's yeah, all ahead. right um i think again we're we're going to see how foundational lehi and the nephi's vision is that these themes come up again and again and again and the way that nephi sums it up here will be uh, reused when we get to uh, something else that becomes a powerful part of the nephi narrative which is what nephi calls the doctrine of christ uh, right. And so you're going to see these same phrases. You're going to see that the, the lessons and the things that he learns and sees in that vision come up in the doctrine of Christ. And these same phrases here will come up in there and he'll add some more things into it, kind of tie it and package it together. And then in a way that's just sent forth to all Book of Mormon prophets from then on uh, the vision and the doctrine of Christ all become the backbone of, of Nephite understanding of God and their path back to him. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that exactly. Uh, the uh, Nephi uses multiple terms to refer to the gospel of Christ, the doctrine of Christ. He calls mm -hmm. it the gospel. He mm -hmm. calls it the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and he calls it uh, 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 the path. Mm 
yeah, uh, and other things. So he has a yeah, and some of those are, come from that vision, right? The vision's the that's metaphor exactly. that gives him the the words to to use to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. So then, in uh, in the next two verses, Nephi uh, tells us that uh, he he spills the beans here in what's so new that Lehi and he have learned in this vision. What and uh, wh- what divides their new view of reality, the world, from the one they used to have, and from the one other people have? And he says, "Therefore, remember, O man, for all thy doings, thou shalt be brought into judgment." It's not just eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah. Wherefore, if ye have sought to do wickedly in the days of your probation. And this word probation occurs, surfaces here, and then is used repeatedly by Lehi and Nephi and Alma and others on through the Book of Mormon. Then you are found unclean before the judgment seat of God, and no unclean thing can dwell with God. Wherefore, ye must be cast off forever. And those yeah. also are phrases that we're going to see come up again and again and again. This idea of unclean exactly. before God and being cast off forever. So well, even in the title page, which is written after this, but we've all already read it by now. But even in the title page, we've got this idea of being cast off forever or not being cast off. So what? Uh, so now we need to remember, how did this story start? It started with Lehi hearing Jeremiah or some other prophet that we don't know the name of. Warning the people of Jerusalem, 600 BC, that the Babylonians were coming, that God was sending them, and he would destroy Jerusalem mm-hmm. and destroy them because of their wickedness. Now, there, what's their answer to that? Their answer to that is the answer that Laman and Lemuel give repeatedly, mm-hmm. which is, hey, the Jews of Jerusalem are righteous people. They keep the commandments. They keep the festivals, the the, the holy days. They uh, uh, they know the scriptures. Blah blah blah, and uh, and doing all that, they've worked it out so they can uh, pay attention to the law of Moses on the one hand, and enjoy the life of luxury and riches on the other. And they can oppress the poor uh, is another way of looking at it. <laughs> uh, and so this, when we we keep getting this justification back from Laman and Lemuel, and what we're to understand is that is the view of life, the purpose of life, as understood by the Jews of Jerusalem. Well, Lehi and other prophets and Nephi have received a vision. And in that vision, they come to understand this life isn't what it's about. This life is just a day of probation, a day in which we can prove ourselves worthy of an eternal life with God Mm -hmm. or not. And so this life is just a little speck in our total existence and it determines what will happen to us so all of a sudden nothing's funny it's all serious yeah what we do do here matters it isn't just a matter of enjoying our riches and being happy as layman and i will say um that's the division that's the divide and so this uh Lehi has been given a new, we could call it a metaphor of life. Uh, people all over the world have live by different metaphors of life. Uh, you can call life a journey. You can call it all kinds of things. Uh, I've just described how Nephi seized the metaphor of life that the Jews are following. And he gives it to us through the mouth of Laman and Lemuel. But that's what's going on. And that's what, it's not that Laman and Lemuel uh, 
Nephi's not trying to prove he's better than them. He's not. That's just totally irrelevant. What he's showing is there are two ways to approach this life. And here, in and he can give, and he's not making up these characters. These are not fictional characters. Uh, it's it's not some a parable he's making up. This is real life. Yeah. These guys were trying to kill him. Uh, they were trying to kill their father. Like the Jews of Jerusalem were killing the prophets. So this is uh, big stuff. It's the it's the whole story of what this life is about. And so Nephi's uh, uh, organizes first Nephi as a kind of allegory to uh, teach us that if we will uh, follow the Spirit, follow pray to God. Uh, get guidance from him, we can prepare ourselves to be with him uh, in the next life. That's really good. Can, can I uh, probe on that just a little bit? I, 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 I'm seeing something I'd like to ask your opinion on, if it's all right. Um, I, I would guess you're probably familiar with um, Jack Welch created this uh, little booklet called Charting the Book of Mormon. Um, yeah. And in and uh, which is a great resource for anyone who wants to uh, look into that. I'm sure you can find it by Googling it. But um, what you'll see in there is like the most common theme he has is he tries to char create charts that illustrate great sermons and so on and so on is th this choice between two things. And he often has these arrows that go out in two different ways. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing you're talking about here. You can choose to basically it's choose to follow God or choose to rebel against God. And that you find that in almost every sermon and, and uh, teaching in the Book of Mormon. And it seems to me that uh, it may be that uh, Nephi comes to really understand that when he hears his father's vision. And here's that some are in that vision that he and Sam and Sarah or Sarah are, are uh, choosing to go to Lehi at the tree and Laman and Lemuel are choosing not to. And I, he's he's writing all of the stuff um, that we have in, say, chapter three and four, where Nephi is choosing. He says, I'll go and do where as his brothers are complaining. And so and he's writing that much after the fact, right after he's seeing that division in this in this uh, vision. He can also rethink when that covenant was first established with him, where he is told, you know, you're going to be a ruler over your brothers, but if you rebel against me, then you can be cut off like they are and so on, right? Um, or your descendants rebel against me, they can be cut off. And he may start to see that as these two choices. And and so that colors the way as you're, I think this is what you're saying. Tell me if I've got this right. That understanding this colors the way he presents the story of going back to get uh, the plates and and uh, their dealings with Laban, where he's he's using the real-life story of Laman and Lemuel in contrast with him and Sam to illustrate those two choices. He's going to do it in the wilderness where they're hunting. He's going to do it on the ship. He's going to do it again and again where, where he talks to them about, have you asked the Lord? No, we've made no such thing. He's made no such thing made uh, known unto us. Uh, and he's going to keep heart, uh, illustrating everything in that way to help us see he seeks God and gets direction from the Holy Ghost, whereas they keep choosing not to see God and not to get direction from the Holy Ghost. Is that what you're saying? I, I, am I that's, hitting it that's right? Ex that's exactly it. Uh, uh, you And you've mentioned some of the best evidences. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Heard. I probably jumped ahead. Of oh, what no, you that's great. Let, let me add a couple. Um, uh, then once, once you see that, as you've just uh, re-articulated it, uh, then you can see that Nephi actually documents for each of the ones that comes out as a believer at the point at which they became a believer. Mm. Oh, interesting. The uh, And the rejections right. and for Laman and Lemuel, of course, they go back and forth. They have multiple yeah. instances of repentance and uh, complying, and then something comes up that's hard to deal with, and they bail. Yeah. Uh, they return to their old view. Uh, but uh, just just briefly, how it works: uh, the story starts off with Lehi hearing these prophecies. And instead of reacting and condemning the prophets, he decides uh, to pray. Yeah. 
and to and he prays that it won't happen. That's what he's praying. Yeah, he's praying for his people, right? Yeah, for, for his people that they, they won't this won't happen to him. And what does he get? The Lord gives him a vision. Uh, and the and the vision is the first first vision is, yeah, I'm gonna destroy him. Yeah. This, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. And he's very upset. He goes home, throws himself on a bed, and he's carried away in the spirit and get and I believe that's when he gets the second vision the big vision of the Hmm. tree of life right there. So you don't think it's after they're in the wilderness. You think it's beforehand in the wilderness is when they talk about it. Yeah. He tells his family. Interesting. But there are phrases used like he saw God on his throne. He saw uh, one likened to God. He sees 12 others following after him. That's exact wording from chapter 11. Interesting. Exactly. So yeah, the the hmm, you can read the beginning of chapter eight that way. Where yeah. uh, I mean, uh, the face of it, you think it just happened, but you can read it the other intro. I'm going to have to look into that more. That's an interesting yeah. proposition. So well, and see, at chapter eight, they are in the wilderness. They are everybody's there. Ishmael mm-hmm. and his family. Everybody's going to be part of it. And what's happening here is, is Lehi is making sure everybody understands what the guiding metaphor is. Hmm. We are leaving our riches. We are going into this desert because God commanded us, but eternal life is on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why the big meeting in the wilderness, the first camp of the wilderness. And he hasn't had an opportunity before that to tell everybody that's going to be part of his party. Hmm. Interesting. But then, uh, so Lehi prays, Lehi gets the vision. Nephi, uh, here's his father's, uh, and Lehi, who's been praying that this wouldn't happen to Israel, how does he come out of that prayer, out of that vision? Rejoicing. Yeah. Now, we're supposed to get whiplash on that. Nephi intends us to get whiplash. Yeah. And why is he rejoicing? It's because he's been shown the plan of salvation, the gospel. And he, uh, the way is prepared. What we're reading here in chapter 10, God has speaks to all men at all times and uh, has prepared a way by, by which they can, uh, do right in these days of probation, prove themselves worthy of being with God. And they will all be judged. We're all going to be judged. There's a day. uh, This is a little side note. Uh, Do you plan to talk to people in this, in the blog about uh, uh, Skousen's uh, earliest text of the Book of Mormon? Oh, I I haven't planned it, but I, we certainly can. The uh, uh, well, let me leave that aside for just a minute. But um, the oh, oh, I'll, I'll say this much: what uh, uh, Stanford Carmack and Royal Scousen have learned in the last 15, 20 years is that the English spoken or written in the Book of Mormon uh, is early modern English. It's not King James English. It's not uh, frontier American English. It is actually consistently early modern English, which just precedes uh, Shakespeare and King James uh, for a century and a half. And what does, what is a day of probation? In early modern English, it's the name for the day every year when students take their final exams. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, And uh, that's what's, uh, and that's the way Nephi sees it. This this life is our final exam. Uh, We've been prepared for this, but we're now going to see what we learned Mm. and where we stand, who we are. 
this is our day of probation. And so that metaphor is very much at the center of what Nephi and Lehi are teaching their people and what they are teaching us. And the answer they're giving is, look, if you are serious about this, if you will go to God and ask him, if you will seek diligently, he will unveil his mysteries to you. And you will uh, can be prepared, up, and, and you will uh, do well in your days of probation, and you will be can find the way to become clean, that you may uh, uh, enter into the presence of God. That's the whole message. Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, the point you were making that uh, Nephi, uh, I think, is just a, a really important point. Uh, when so as Nephi organizes first Nephi, he's picking and choosing. Yeah, he he's not telling us the whole story of of their experience. He's picking and choosing. So he tells us when he uh, uh, the Holy Ghost told him yeah. that I was telling the truth. When he uh, when uh, Sam learns it, when Sariah learns it, when Ishmael and his family their hearts are softened. Uh, the Lord softens their hearts. Uh, and even and, Zoram. He tells us when Zoram decides. Exactly. Zoram as well. And so uh, the other thing is Nephi has carefully selected the six stories that he tells us in verse Nephi. Uh, and those six stories, he tells them in such a way that they are parallel to each other uh, in a certain combination, which... In that old article, Nephi's outline, I lay out all those parallels of the six stories. But uh, the uh, but the the central story in the first half in Lehi's account is the story of going back to get the brass plates, and that is the story which gives us the premier example of the murmuring of Laman and Lemuel. Yeah. And murmuring is the word that is used specifically in those chapters of Exodus and Numbers, where the Israelites are rebelling against Moses. So any, any Israelite hearing that word applied to them knows they're being associated with the rebellious Israelites in the desert. Yeah. And, and Nephi, I think, sees an intentional parallel. He makes that. He and Jacob both make the parallel between their exodus and the earlier exodus. And I think for this very reason to show there are some who will choose to follow God. We could, we could even go like to when the ascent 10 spies in Caleb and Joshua will choose to, to believe that God can deliver them. And the other 10 will choose not to and there. That's the murmuring 10. And so you get that whole murmur thing associated with them. I, he is definitely applying the, the lessons from that to their day. And he'll do so specifically with Laman and Lemuel. Well, and, and then what happens in the in the uh, story of going back to get the rest plates? An angel appears to them yeah. to stop Laman and Lemuel from beating up on their younger brothers. And then the angel leaves. And what's the next thing that happens? <laughs> they murmur. They murmur again. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is this is murmuring par excellence. Yeah. Okay, that's the central story in the first half of First Nephi. The central story in the second half is building the ship. Yeah, and when they go after Nephi in this one, he's given by the power of God. He stops them. They can see the power. They're intimidated. They stop. Yeah, and it's several days before they get past that. And and that's the time he specifically compares what they're doing to uh, the children of Israel and the wilderness. He refers to Moses in both these stories. Oh, you're There's right. All, he does. You're right. The only two places where he refers to Moses. Ah, very good. So, so these are the central two stories. The first one is the main, the, the murmuring par excellence. The second one is the Nephi's answer, his sermon, or his uh, explaining uh, or correcting them in their murmuring. 
mm. explaining why we don't murmur. And that's where he brings Moses in, in detail. Ah, very good. So it's the, uh, again, first Nephi is about how people respond to the Holy ghost. Mm. And that's what it's been since the beginning and will be to the end because God's ways are one eternal realm. Uh, that's so good. In fact, maybe I can just uh, even uh, stick something in there just because uh, literally just before this started, I was uh, uh, looking at a comment from someone on the YouTube channel and uh, they were talking about Adam and Eve and how much do they know of the gospel as they leave the Garden of Eden. And, and I was thinking of the, the story there in, in the book of Moses. And it says very specifically that that uh, Adam and Eve teach their children, and then the Holy Ghost testifies to their children, and they choose to reject it. So I think you're right. From the very beginning, we're getting this choice. Adam and Eve listened to the Spirit. Their children, until they had Abel and then Seth, uh, are are choosing to reject the Spirit. And uh, and Nephi has seen that play out again, and so he's going to say it's from the very beginning, and uh, and he's seen how it goes to the very end. That's that's really powerful, Noel. And so the when Nephi talks about hardening your heart or allowing the Spirit to soften your heart, this is this is the key uh, for any individual. Now that you can, so Nephi's allegory, although it applies universally to everybody, it tells every individual that comes into this world how to uh, get back to their Father in heaven. Uh, and it's by allowing Him to soften your heart. Yes. So stiff necks, hard hearts versus soft hearts, uh, humbled. Uh, repentant. Interesting. And maybe I'm going to add another little piece on there. Yeah. I can't remember if it was in our uh, episode earlier or with someone else, but I, I mentioned that I think that the third most common theme in the Book of Mormon, uh, the first most is, is Christ and his atoning sacrifice. Second is, is covenants and the house of Israel. I personally think, I haven't done the math on this, but I personally think the next one is remembering. Remembering when you felt the spirit, remembering what God has done for you. And I think there's something powerful about this that that needs to be said for what's happening right now in our day. Uh, I think not only when we feel the spirit, should we record it for ourselves, but as our children or grandchildren, nephews, nieces, whatever, uh, when we know they've had uh, a spiritual experience, when they felt the spirit, we should write it down. We should also see if we can help them write it down because... The key is I've seen so often people who have definitely had the spirit witness to them. Uh, I see this with my students. I see it in uh, church groups. They've had the spirit witness to them, but later on they forget it and they stop doing those things that allows the spirit to remind them. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just need to be reminded. You have had the spirit bear witness to you. And at that time you made the choice to follow right now. You're not feeling it. But you should stick with that choice. Remember what when you did feel the Spirit and go with that choice, and you'll feel the Spirit again at some point. Let me try a question on you. All right. You, you've thought a lot about the covenant of Abraham mm-hmm. uh, and his people. His people, the, the, the descendants of Abraham, are set apart at this early point and uh, are recognized uh, by this covenant that will mark them uh, to the end of time. Um, And yet, uh, the covenant doesn't save them. It just puts them out on stage. Yeah. Well, and it it puts them in the relationship that can lead them to what will save them, right? but, But see, Nephi and Lehi are universalizing that. They're saying that that salvation is available to everybody. Absolutely, Lehi's descendants have been put out on stage, and what we witness through all time uh, is the uh, cycles of obedience and disobedience. Yes, and how God punishes them when they disobey, how He blesses them when they obey, uh, and that's what's happening. Israel is. The uh, the Babylonians are being sent by God to punish them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would add that the, the point of the punishment, I always call it a punishment with a purpose, which is to humble them enough that they'll come back to it, right? Exactly. Exactly. See, it's this hard heart, soft heart. Yep. It, 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 right? Are if your they, heart's hard, he's going to have to pound on it a bit to get it to be soft. And so what, what Nephi is showing to us is that those at Jerusalem who are singing singing the song that Laman and Lemuel are singing, uh, we keep the law of Moses. We, you know, we, uh, we keep the commandments. We, we're righteous people. Uh, and what God is saying back to them it, through Lehi's vision is, you don't understand righteousness. You are using the law of Moses to hide your sins, to cover your sins, uh, yeah. and so forth. So yeah, going through the motions, but your heart's not where it should be. Yeah, exactly. And ma- maybe I'll just add one thing to what you were talking yeah. about. Uh, I think there's a key thing we learn from the Book of Mormon. We learn it from Nephi. We learn it from Christ that isn't in the Bible about the, the covenant. And I, I think it probably was initially. It's, it's in the Book of Abraham in a way. Um, I think it was one of the plain and precious covenants in the vision. Nephi will learn about covenants taken out. And that is that anyone, Nephi and, and Christ teach us pretty clearly, anyone who accepts Christ can be part of the house of Israel, or in other words, be part of the covenant people. Right. So that's that that difference, it, it, the universalizing that you're talking about. So they're still tying it into the covenant. They're not saying this is just available for everyone. Don't worry about the covenant. They're saying this is available for everyone. Become part of the covenant by accepting Christ. And that's very different than what we're getting in the Bible. Let me read that verse to you um, because I think it's uh, tremendously important. Nephi is first uh, in Second Nephi chapter 30. Nephi says, uh, uh, For behold, I say unto you, this is verse 2, as many of the Gentiles as will repent are the covenant people of the Lord. Yep. And as many of the Jews as will not repent shall be cast off. For the Lord covenanteth with none, save it be with them that repent and believe in his Son, which is the Holy One of Israel. Yep. And, and elsewhere, he ties it specifically into accepting Christ, that if the Jews don't accept Christ, they right. won't be the covenant people. The Gentiles who do accept Christ will be. And that's a, that's a real key uh, addition or, or understanding of the covenant. The, uh, uh, it also suggests to me, uh, my understanding of the gospel is, that when we enter into our covenant with God, with to obey his commandments and so forth that is part of the repentance process yes there's no way to repent without committing to uh to keep those commandments mm-hmm. so we come to baptism as repentant people who have made a covenant yeah. and in baptism we witness publicly through this sign entering the water we witness publicly that we have made that covenant. Yeah. And in fact, it's, I mean, it's not a coincidence that what we might call the, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel, part of what Nephi would call the, the doctrine of Christ is that you, you have, you believe in Christ, then you repent and that leads you to baptism, which is the entry into the covenant. And then you can receive the Holy ghost, right? It's the same thing you're just talking about here, that the reception of the Holy ghost will be the, the key element of all of this. And and so I'll just give a spoiler alert for my audience that when we get into uh, the doctrine of Christ, we're going to show how uh, all in all the places it's uh, iterated, it is, it culminates in what do you do with the Holy ghost? Uh, what's your response to the Holy ghost, which I think ties in perfectly to what you're talking about here. Um, right. And again, he sees that in the vision because it was, he talks about that in the baptism in the doctrine of Christ. He says, well, I learned about it when I saw Christ being baptized. Uh, so it's all right here in this part you're talking about. So I've got another question for you. All right. <laughs> um, uh, when did, uh, what, what kind of life were Lehi and Nephi living before the vision? Oh, that's a great question. 
That's a really good question. I think um, you'll you'll a number of people, I think, including yourself, um, have talked about kind of the development of uh, the phrase some people use, the development of the Christology that we see in the Book of Mormon as they leave um, Jerusalem. And I think it starts in in Lehi's first, well, those visions he talks about at the beginning where he sees the one like unto the Son of Man and so on. So I would say before this, they're probably, I don't know if I want to say typical members of the kingdom of Judah, Judahites, like we talked about in our last, uh, they're, they're from Manasseh, but they're Judahites, as we talked about in our last episode. Um, the, the, it would seem that some of the typical ones are not really keeping the law of Moses with pure intent. I think that they are keeping the law of Moses with pure intent. My guess is that Lehi was young when he saw Josiah renew the covenant with everyone and that he he did that and he meant it and tried to be true to that. And the fact that he's praying for his people shows he's different from many of the others. Uh, he did because, pray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 what we're seeing Jeremiah accuse people of is selfishness and not taking care of others, but doing terrible things to them instead of seeking for their benefit. And and Lehi is seeking for that. But I don't think they understand the gospel and no. Christ the same way before Lehi starts having these visions that they do afterwards, that as they leave, they start to get a higher law, higher gospel understanding, uh, and they come to understand Christ and the covenant very differently than they did beforehand. I think this is a transformative, the, these visions that we're talking about and their exodus and their choice to follow God uh, and keep the, this covenant and to take that covenant to a new place uh, is transformative in their understanding of the gospel and Christ and that they have a different Christology than the people of Jerusalem that they left behind by the time they're in the wilderness. So that's my take. I'd love to hear yours. Uh, uh, well, I don't think they give us enough information that we can set out a for sure description yeah. of what they were doing. But I think we should be open to that the possibility that you have described that before this vision, they would have been indistinguishable from the rest of the Jerusalem elite. They were part of it. But in their hearts, they were touched by the prophets, mm -hmm. and they prayed. They prayed, and they were blessed. Uh, so it's, uh, and it also, uh, I like your use of the word transformative. I think that is very uh, uh, helpful. Uh, and and Nephi or Lehi explains that transformation. Uh, one of his ways of explaining it is that he has a new metaphor of life. Yeah. Life is a probation. Yeah. And hey, so, you know, oh, sorry, keep going. That's it. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I, th I think you get one interest as you're talking, I, I was thinking of one interesting clue you get about who they are beforehand. Uh, when Nephi says uh, that it contains, you know, they, he's talking about um, the prophets and what's going on in their day. And, and he talks about Jeremiah, the prophet, and he says, and Jeremiah, have they cast into prison, right? And, and that's an interesting contrast right there, the kind of contrast you've been talking about. Many, not all, there were people in Jerusalem who were listening to and accepting Jeremiah and kind of fighting for his freedom and trying to help him. But there were many who did not like what Jeremiah was teaching or saying, and, uh, and they, he was repeatedly threatened with death and cast into prison because of what he was saying. But it would seem that Nephi is Nephi and Lehi are aware of Jeremiah's teachings. They like his teachings, and they're bothered that he's been cast into prison. Right? That it's it's just a descriptive term, but you can kind of hear it as a and and look, they've even cast Jeremiah into prison. Uh, and I think that 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 shows us of those groups that you have in Jerusalem, those who are accepting Jeremiah and defending him, and those who are are hating him and and uh, persecuting him. We know where Lehi and Nephi fall on that, and that's a, a similar contrast to the, the contrast between Laman and Lemuel and Nephi and Sam that we've been talking about. Um, it's probably worth reflecting again on, uh, you know, just this fact that Nephi doesn't even start writing the first Nephi until 30 years after they left Jerusalem. Yeah. And so he's looking back and 
uh, when he looks back, he's now some prime, probably between 50 and 60 years old in that range. And uh, at this point, how does he choose to focus, to construct his presentation of the revelations and teachings they received? And this business of responding to the Holy Ghost is put front and center. Yeah. In fact, and, and uh, we'll have to wrap up pretty soon, but as I think about it, and you, you talked about sometimes Nephi can seem pretty harsh in his responses to his brothers, right? Like, um, I, I, I love this phrase where they're like, well, we, we don't uh, get this, and he's, or we don't like this. And he says, well, that's because the wicked take the truth to be hard, right? And we're like, yeah. well, you're, you're probably not winning a diplomacy award right there. But um, but I I think it is not possible for Nephi to go through what he's going through with his brothers without a great deal of pain involved. Yeah. Pain at the way they treat him, but pain at what he's at, at, like Lehi. I think he's like Lehi. Lehi is pain that his sons won't come to the tree. And I think Nephi is as well. And, and I, I don't know, we don't know anything about Nephi's children. They never really tells us a word about them other than that they have children. But at age 50 or 60, it's quite likely that he has either his children or nephews or nieces or some of them are not making the choices he would like them to make. And so he's got this pain of having seen half of his family he grew up with turn away. And he's got the pain of leading an entire group of people, some of whom must not be. I mean, just the odds are someone's not doing everything just right. And uh, and that, that has to influence. And he's seen the vision where That's he knows awesome. that his descendants choose wrong. They choose poorly, to quote Indiana Jones in the, the uh, last crusade. But anyway, um, and that has to guide the way he is laying this out. All this pain. And, and there's no doubt he, he clearly feels pain about that vision his eyes water his pillow by night because of it and so on and so on and what he sees with his descendants and he is uh trying to help them see these choices in a way that i think president uh nelson would say he's trying to get them to think celestial no, i i think that's the main point right there is the i mean the the uh incident with layman lemuel where he that is harsh with him right there. The, the last thing we've heard was Nephi is coming from seeing the destruction of his descendants. Yeah. Because of influences from the Lamanites. Yeah. Don't yep. you guys want me to tell you the whole story or just want me to tell you <laughs> the wicked? It's hard for the wicked to yeah. see these things. Yeah. And sometimes we, we have to be diplomatic and sometimes you just have to say it how it is if it's unkind not to. Well, Noel, I am so grateful. Uh, this has been uh, not only a lot of fun, but uh, you've helped me see some things uh, in this part that I thought I knew pretty well, but you've helped me see some new things in it that uh, I'm excited to go back and look at and uh uh, it's just wonderful. If you were going to kind of sum this up for our audience and how they should, uh, what they, what's their the main takeaway? What should they learn from this, and what should they teach their children or grandchildren from this? What would you say? Nephi is trying to teach all of us, uh, even the most blessed, like himself, to be humble. And recognize that one by one, each of us in our families is going to face this decision about how we respond to the Holy Ghost. And that our eternal welfare will be determined by that response. Amen. Amen. And may we all, and again, I hear President Nelson asking us, how do you hear him? I, I hear him saying, if you aren't getting revelation or experiences with the, the Holy Ghost regularly, you're not going to survive the last days spiritually. Um, uh, there's some, uh, wow, that's just powerful. Noel, thank you so much. I hope that we will all 
seek God. And, and I think this is part of what you're saying Nephi wants us to do. I hope we'll all seek God because he wants to bless us with experiences with the Holy Ghost, and that then we will respond to those experiences with the Holy Ghost by choosing to follow God the way that the Holy Ghost teaches us to. And that's a theme we'll come back to a whole bunch of times in the in in the entire Book of Mormon, but especially in Nephi's writings. So thank you, Noel. Well, thank you. Enjoyed visiting with you. Uh, likewise. And and we hope our audience will share this with others. Uh, share the teachings in whatever teaching opportunities you have, but share the podcast as well. Like, subscribe, share, download, uh, rate, review, all those things. And then next week, as we get into uh, the the Lamb of God, or not, well, yeah, talking about the Lamb of God, but uh, but uh, the, the vision uh, from Nephi's experience of it, uh, we're going to have Anita Kramer-Wells, uh, and Byron Quirth and I are going to talk about uh, families and staying at the tree and so on. And then we're going to really plummet. Uh, my co-host and I, Lamar, are going to plumb this. So we've got great stuff this week and next week. Uh, and what a wonderful beginning we've had to it with Dr. Reynolds. Thank you. You bet.